0: Welcome to a special edition of Nikki P's Conundrum, and today we have back on Christian.
1: Hey, good morning, Nick.
0: My man, how you doing, bro?
1: Good. How are you, Nick?
0: I'm doing amazing. <laughs>
1: yeah, how's, the we- how's the weather out there on the East Coast? <laughs>
0: it's warm. It's warm, believe it or not. It's like the West yeah. Coast, only humid. Not as nice beaches, not as nice people, shittier traffic, a shittier way of life, but a better lobster.
1: Yeah, right now in here in Utah, it's, I mean, you can't even see the mountains right now. The California fires, I forget the name of the fire that's going on out there. I think it's the third largest in the state history. Our whole sky out here in Utah is covered in smoke from California. It's pretty bad.
0: Yeah, well, I'm on Long Island. And it rains all the fucking time. So if we could send some of that shit to you. You know. I could put Bezos on the moon, but I can't fucking shift a oh rain boy. cloud. Can't shift a rain cloud. You know? <laughs> oh man. You seen that bullshit? That's pretty good. Jeff Bezos. Yeah. So speaking of God, uh today we're gonna talk
1: <laughs> How does your mind how does your mind even connect those things? Nate?
0: I'm just joking because <laughs> Bezos like runs the world. I'm just kidding. You know what I mean? The whole Amazon thing. You know what's crazy about Amazon was this. It was before Amazon really like took off, right? Before their deal with Toys R Us, before everything went kicked off of them, right? We go all the way back. I used to say, I mean, I wish there was some giant who could fuck up Walmart. And then came Amazon because because to me, it was like, man, it was pretty neat that when Amazon came out, it's just, you know, it's out of control. Uh, I'm a buyer into it. I love Amazon. Half the shit I order is from Amazon. But yeah, it's become the giant. So today we are going to talk about Satan, God, who's the real enemy. And to start that, what I wanted to do was give you my synopsis on life at first, see what you think, and then move on to a couple other topics. So first and foremost, I've read the Bible, and this is something a lot of people say they do, but they don't. I think they either read the New Testament And only that would they go to church and have the gospel jammed down their throats, which is a bunch of cute short stories uh, that really neglect the meat and potatoes of the book as a whole, even though I understand the religion is based on that, you know, little short story they have at the end called the New Testament. but. There is a lot of girth and and backstory that even when I read it, I became so to was disdain. I I was in pain. The rape and the the things that were just okay with the God back then crushed me. So anyway, um, I've read the Bible enough to actually not. Do I fear God? Yes. Do I like him? No. I don't have to like you and fear you, just so you know. And I don't like him. And I do fear him. Guaranteed. I'm just not going to lie to him and say, I like you, bro. No, I don't fucking like you. I think you're terrible. Yeah. But I'm also afraid of you. It's kind of like the bully next door. I know he's gonna take my lunch money. I don't fucking like him. Still scared of him. Still gets my lunch money. Uh, and I think the two reasons, though... Why people don't believe in God is because I think that that narrative they get in church, that New Testament bullshit, is that they hear it over and over again, all these happiness, and they get this false idea that God is some sort of Superman. That God, if there was a God, they'll say, if there was a God, this wouldn't happen. They need to read the book. This man is ruthless. He has tortured and fucking killed his greatest followers to see if they would turn on him. I got guys who literally lose everything just because God wants to see at what point is he going to turn on them. I got fucking Moses bringing people the promised land who struck a rock too many times and to sit in the mountain so when you say God wouldn't allow this, the fuck he wouldn't. The fuck he wouldn't. Yes he would because he doesn't value this. It's a testing her to get to the next place. God values. In my estimation from the readings I read that he value is the next place and the only other reason i think that people don't uh believe in god or say they don't is because they've done enough bad shit in their life they want to be held accountable it's kind of like if i do enough bad shit i don't want to go home and see my dad why because he's gonna fuck me up with a wicked stick i'm better off saying there is no dad because i don't want to deal with the punishment uh that's coming to me but society in general i will concede is better with a god it's kind of like when you can threaten your kid with santa claus If you don't believe in God, still say you do. Why? Because a higher power is someone going to hold you accountable. It's kind of like a mom say, I'm going to tell you, Daddy. Why is that scary? Because of eventual power. You kick the man out of your life. You have no one to, you've you've already taken out God. You took out the father of your child. You got nothing. Kid knows Santa ain't real. Kid's going to run rampant and be a fucking asshole and shoot up a school in 10 years. And that's not my fault. I tell my daughter there's a God, right? So anyway... I believe society is better with a God to believe there is an ultimate power that will um, hold you accountable. But make no mistake, and you can refute this in a second if you want to, but Jesus, son of God, he surrounded himself with what? Prostitutes, tax collectors, some of the worst people. And one thing that really fucks me up, and that a lot of believers have to understand, is that God values the sinner... Over the 100% saint. And I only say that because there's a story in the Bible where a farmer, and correct me wrong, has two sons. They're going to get the inheritance. When he's long gone, they're going to each split the farm, and they're going to be good. And the one son just doesn't want to wait for dad to die. He wants to live his life, and dad gives him half the inheritance. He goes out there. He spends it on all the wrong things, comes back broke, and his dad allows him back in. He has a big party for his son for coming back. And the one faithful son looks at his dad and he says, dad, why? I never left you, whatever. There's no big party for me. And God believes it is harder to sin and come back than to never sin at all. So with all that that I said in my synopsis of it, with God not being Superman, right, torches his best, Moses all the way down to we focus on the gospel. I just want to hear your take initially.
1: Yeah, so the the Old Testament is definitely a little bit difficult to navigate through. And there's there's something that some people refer to as the velvet thread. <clears throat> being able to expose the Bible and and understand the the culture to which it was written, the time it was written, and just the the different literary forms that are used in the Bible, you have to use use those ideas to help you properly discern what the text is being is actually saying now that doesn't mean it's written in hieroglyphics and, and code. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, but th- the way that I like to explain to people is you can't open a book, read the first chapter and then understand the the entirety of, of the book. You have to read all the way through and then you might understand how chapter one connects to chapter four and four connects to 10, so on and so forth. So yes, there's a lot of atrocities in the, in the old Testament. There's a lot of chaos But here's the beauty of the gospel and just, you know, the the Bible in general. So some people think that it's God prescribing the horror, the the terror, the violence. Uh, There are some cases, some scenarios where God says, go into this land and wipe out this people, do not leave anything behind. And I think that there's, there's human lessons that God is teaching humanity in a way that humanity can understand and connect when they humble themselves and they let the scripture speak to them. When you look, when, when people disobey what God has prescribed to them, for example, go into the land and essentially eliminate everything, do not keep anything for yourself, it all needs to be gone. That can intimately be connected to the struggle that people face with sin in their life. You know, when when you're, you've got an addiction, when you've got some sort of stronghold in your life connected to sin, if you leave any, I mean, if you leave the door open, if you leave any tiny hook in it's very likely to, to give life to, to more of that destruction, more of that addiction, more of that sin. So I think there's a parallel to be drawn there from some of those scriptures, because when we obey God, things turn out really well. When we disobey God, and it's not that it's a punishment, it's a, it's a consequence of us not listening to wisdom. And that's really what the Bible is for us, is, is wisdom on a creator level. So when you look at the Bible, Yes, you see violence, you see murder. I mean, you see it with Cain and Abel, early early in the book of Genesis. Look at look at the connections and let's look for that velvet thread, okay? Because there are signs of Jesus Christ the Redeemer in the Old Testament. There are there are prophecies that have been fulfilled in really unprecedented order. So we look and we see the 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 covenant between Adam and, and God. Well, what does Adam do? Adam punts it into the stands. He, he deviates from God's plan. And what is the result? The result is, is negative. It's, it's not ideal. And understand that when God created the heavens and the earth, he created perfect union between him and mankind. Now, this is how things were designed to be. But being a loving God, God gives us free will. An unloving God would not give us free will. An unloving God would make humanity puppets, and we'd have no choice, no no decision-making abilities, and we would just be moist robots that do whatever we were designed to do. But we have free will. So Adam has free will, deceived by the devil, and he screws it up for all, all mankind. Well, then God, being the, the gracious God that he is, he comes in and he creates a new covenant, covenant. Uh, with Noah. So, hey, Noah, we've, you know, you guys have messed this up. You've deviated from my perfect plan here. Let me make a new covenant. I'm gonna reach out to you. And, and I, I want restoration between you and me. So Noah embraces that covenant. And then we see humanity deviate from God's way again. And then he makes a covenant with Abraham. Abraham, you know, a, a man of faith who was who was made right through his faith. The people punted in the stands again. And we have the Palestinian covenant. We screw it up. Then we have the Mosaic covenant. We screw it up. We have the Davidic covenant. We screw it up. And finally, we get to the New Testament. And the New Testament, we have the new covenant, which is made by Christ. And you see this theme, Nick, a lot of people don't ever look into because they don't dig deep enough. They might just stop at, whoa, there's some atrocities here. Go kill these people. Kill women and children. Okay, that's enough for me. There, that's no God that I want to I serve, I want to love, I want to follow. But we don't read far enough into the scriptures to understand what is really going on. It's not God commanding uh, unnecessary atrocities. And I'll, I'll come back to that here in a second. But what we do see if we keep reading is we see the story of constant redemption. And who's the redeemer? The creator is the one that's constantly reaching out to the created. Trying to restore them back to Him—that is a beautiful picture of a loving God. So much so that the grace that flows from God's heart is, I will send my own Son to die on the cross to to be uh, to pay the penalty that mankind just cannot. And and now the new covenant, which is the final covenant, uh, it, it it essentially it doesn't eliminate the law, but it does what the law could never do. Because none of us, and the Bible says this, there's not one righteous, not one, and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us can actually live up to the expectations of a righteous, holy God. So we can never do it. And that's why there's these constant covenants that are made, but we continue to punt it in the stands. But now with the new covenant, with the fulfillment of Christ, um, we are made new. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ, uh, not from anything that we have done, but what God has done and what has covered us. So um, it's a beautiful that you see that thread all the way throughout. You see so many, so many um, prophetic words spoken in the book of Isaiah. And we see that fulfillment in the new Testament. But again, to, to jump onto your side for a second. Yes. It's, it's tough to wrestle with some of what goes on in the old Testament. So I said, I come back to this when, when we look, so think about, think about a, a rapist and 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 i'm going to take us to a dark thought here for a second not to i, I don't want to i don't want to disrupt anybody's mental thoughts long term but i just want you to think for a moment imagine somebody a group of people who constantly in your neighborhood are breaking into people's house, houses raping them molesting them stealing from them beating them there's some people who would say ah, you know somebody stop this somebody stop this and humanity asks for that humanity cries for the the evil of mankind to be stopped and then when god intervenes and he stops that evil we complain about it so when you look at some of what was going on in the old testament when god said go into this land and wipe those people out you got to understand what those people were doing and the trajectory that mankind was on if that was left unchecked so for example there was a, a an old testament pagan god by the name of molech and the, the people built an altar to Molech, and it was this, this big, giant bronze, if I'm not mistaken, or iron, iron statue of him. And the people would sacrifice their babies to Molech, where, they, you know, you have this, this, this cast iron or bronze, whatever it was, figure. They would heat it up with fire from inside, so it's burning hot metal. And they would put the babies in the arms of Molech, and it would just cook them to death. And the people would would bang their drums so loud that the, the parents couldn't hear their babies crying as they're being murdered. Like that's what was going on in, in that time, in, 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 in that particular region of the world. And God's hearing these cries, and he's giving humanity free choice, but that's what they're doing with their free will. So he steps in and says, okay, I, I've, I've got to stop this. Now, we might think, well, is God a murderer? I think that's a subjective way of thinking. God is the creator, right? And so we have heaven and earth. And so when we die, we don't really die if you understand the scriptures. We relocate. So is, is God really murdering the people he created when he removes us from the earth? That's a school of thought that some, some theologians uh, look at with the scriptures was if, if God decides to take you today, Nick, is he murdering you or is he relocating you? We can commit murder because we don't have the, the power, the authority to, to take life, and we definitely don't have the power to relocate life. But you, know, you look at, at what happens when we die, there's, there's the, um, the separation from the, you know, the spirit and the body, and then there's, there's going to be the, the new creation of the new body with the new heavens and earth. So I don't necessarily see that as, as murder, that God, the creator, murdered us. Or murdered people. Or ordered murdering. It was a relocation. And it was in the best interest and the benefit of humanity. Nick, fire away. Because I know you're chomping at the bit now.
0: Bro. I'm glad you said a bunch of that shit. Because here's a deal. Right? And then the whole point of this was Satan, a god who is, you know, the real enemy. You talked about if he takes you out of this world. Right? That if Is that murder and all this? Well... Here's the thing. Before I cast judgment, which I'm not supposed to, but I'm going to fucking do it anyway, on anybody, <laughs> right? I like to look at the whole picture. Now, I think it's important to understand that if you do read the Old Testament, I don't think there's much argument to the fact that God could be most readily described as very unforgiving. Okay? And, I, and I think he'd be jealous. And... He became very forgiving during Jesus. Satan didn't turn on God after Jesus. He turned on God in the very beginning. And if I'm to believe that the opposite of God is Satan, and at the time that he turned on him, God was jealous and unforgiving, a rhetorical question, because I don't want to finish my point, I'm going to ask is if I'm the opposite of jealous and unforgiving. What the fuck does that make me? So here's my thing is that I am not going to sit in front of you and tell you I'm a Satan worshiper. I do want to say I'm a Satan understander. As much as I say I don't like God, I will tell you I like Satan. I like Satan a lot. But I don't worship him. Like, I like you a lot. I don't pray to you. I like you a lot. Same way I like Satan a lot, right? I don't worship him. I just genuinely like him, and here's why. I believe that Satan in all this is the good guy. I believe the Bible, as I read it, I understand there's also propaganda, just like our history books, right? Are people going to write it a certain way? I'm pretty sure if Satan had his chance to write the book, things would have played out just a little bit differently throughout time. So, going to the beginning, God creates these little creations, this little people, right? And at the end of the day, what he's going to do is if they don't worship him, he's going to end them. And Satan says, wait a minute, this shit's fucking crazy. I'm going to go rule in hell, and I'm going to take the souls and burn them. Now, let me tell you something. That doesn't sound too off of what God's doing. In fact, if anything, he's helping God's cause. I think it's more believable... That Satan says, I'm just going to give him an afterlife with me. And God doesn't want his people to turn on him and go to Satan. So he has to say, he has to have propaganda to say, if you go with that motherfucker, he's going to burn you. Well, how is that even turning on you? Why wouldn't it be just a better idea? Hey, man, I'd rather just end them. Why don't we just give him an eternity that's really, really shitty and make them burn like those babies in the cast iron hands? So... I believe that, but let let me tell you something, and and I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it, right? I think of Constantine. You ever seen that movie, Constantine? You know what? I haven't with uh, Keanu Reeves. Oh, it's amazing. You see, he said that at at one point in the movie, because he does retract it, but at one point in the movie, and I understand, he says, you know, they say God has a plan for all of us. God doesn't have a plan. He's a kid with an ant farm. He's not planning anything. Now, I say that to you because, Christian, I'm going to tell you something. I've prayed both ways. There's one way I pray where I feel like I'm praying on a a lucky rabbit's foot. Where no matter what I ask for anyway, it's still going according to a certain plan. And it generally doesn't fucking matter what I pray for because God has his plan. There's a place I don't like to go to. I've only prayed to this guy a couple times. And I will tell you once you connect, I'm just saying you realize that there is another pop. I'm just going to leave it at that. And I said to, you because I trust that guy. You know what? Because that guy may give you something to take something away. Listen, bottom line is, it's not always a fair trade. You got to fucking accept it for what it is. And anybody who's prayed that way, I'm sure there's many documentations of it. Now, if you do, that's why I believe in God. Because I can tell you that motherfucker's there. So that dude's there too. And I'm fucked. Like when I'm done in this world, I am not doing well. So, I, doesn't mean I don't believe in him. Oh, I know what's coming. So, I believe wholeheartedly that... In all, well, you know, God is a very, very judgmental prick, and I believe that Satan is the most sensible one who says, look, I'm just going to give you all an afterlife. I'm going to take care of it because it just makes sense to me. And so I now want to pass it to you, and can you refute that Satan's the opposite of God? And if you're going to say that, what does that make him?
1: So let me go back to the the jealousy piece. And, and you're, you're talking about opposites here. So the first thing that I would tell you, and a lot of people don't understand this about the scripture when the Bible does in fact say that God is a jealous God. Now there, what we, we don't connect is that it's a righteous jealousy. And here's what I want you to understand. Cause you might be thinking, well, that doesn't make any sense. I'm going to do my best to make sense of it. You see God's jealousy is not like ours. Like if, if, my wife is looking at another man, or, you know, I'm, I'm going to be jealous because it's a selfish, like I need her to focus on me. I need her attention for me, for my, my benefit. God does not need our praise. God does not need us. Um, we, the, the connection between us and God, we are the recipients of that connection because God is, is, I mean, he's, he's all sufficient. He, he doesn't need anything from others, but our jealousy hu- human jealousy it's a nasty word it's a nasty thing it's 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 not a good feeling within our our realm so we think oh jealous god oh i've had a jealous boyfriend i've had a jealous girlfriend i've had a jealous this or that like no i that don't that's no god that i want to serve you see god's jealousy is righteous because he knows he knows what we receive when we are apart from him so he's jealous for for us to be connected to him for our benefit. Because the reality is separation from Christ is is death. Separation from God is, it's a negative. So it's like a a parent-child relationship. I might be jealous for my, my kids' attention to my expectations. And so one of those expectations might be Look both ways when you cross the street. Like I am jealous for that attention from them because I need them to heed that and live that out in their life because I know what happens when they don't follow that word. If my kids choose to deviate from the the loving expectation I have from them and they step out on that street, they – I mean, you know, the repercussions of something like that. So that's how God's jealousy is. It's a righteous jealousy because you mentioned the, the, the prodigal son earlier, I think before we hop on the podcast, um, he knows the alternative. He knows what, what that road leads to. And yes, it feels really good a lot of times along the way. And, and the devil's really good about putting some nice things in front of us. We saw that when he tempted Christ in the desert, said, I'll give you all the kingdoms that you can see well, come on. I mean, that's, we're talking about Jeff Bezos. That's like, you know, God telling you and me, Nick, like, Hey, I'll give you all the money that Jeff Bezos has the influence the power that's tempting. That sounds really, really good. Um, you said something. Else. I, can't alternative. Exactly, I can't remember exactly how you said it, but you were talking about something to the effect of, of Satan really giving us what we want. And doesn't that seem a lot more loving? Here's the Here's the parallel I want you to connect that to, Nick. I don't know if you've ever known a drug addict or a legitimate alcoholic, but you see their lives in distress. You see them on a path of destruction. And a drug addict absolutely wants another bump and will beg you for it. We'll add, it, was, it was when you were talking about prayers. And I uh, that, that addict will beg people for more money for another hit. But is it loving to give it to them? You see, I've had a lot of friends like this. In fact, one of my closest friends was a severe alcoholic. And long story short, he ended up in and out of prison. A guy who never should have lived this type of lifestyle, had his child taken away from him, uh, wrecked his vehicle. His passenger flew through the windshield and slammed into a tree and died upon impact. And he was put in prison for involuntary manslaughter. And I remember there was a time where him and I, our friendship, like I, I kept trying to speak wisdom into his life. And he wouldn't listen. And I got frustrated and probably didn't take the best approach, but it got to the point where it's like, you know what? I can't keep doing this because he's surrounded himself with people that were telling him yes. And people that were feeding his addiction, like, come on, come hang out with us. And and they were always alcohol related parties. And there's some people that can drink and they're responsible and they're great people. And then there's others that they are just bad, bad drunks. And that was him. He'd make very poor choices, like life changing choices, and I would always tell him, you can't do this. Like, hey, don't go there. Don't do that. And he he felt like I was judging him or I was trying to control him. And I was loving him. And I remember thinking, I told him, I won't say his name, even though most people probably wouldn't know him, but I, I would tell him like, hey, there, there's a good friend wants you to be happy. A real friend wants you to be healthy. And I think the devil, the devil is, is, he's got a limited leash limited time. And he's fighting for as much attention and control. And and ultimately the Bible says this, that the, the enemy has come to the kill, steal, and destroy. He's trying to steal us from the, the connection to God. And he knows there's a limited time. This is what the scriptures say. And so how do you think about a separated family? Like how do you get your kids to want to live with you as opposed to living with the other spouse? A lot of people, they, they, they buy that, that child's love, and that's essentially what, what the devil does with us, is he will give us that extra hit. He will give us that bump, but that's not necessarily what's best for us. We want it, but that's not necessarily what's best for us. And I think that that's important to understand, that we can pray for whatever we want to pray for. The Bible invites us to do that. To, you have not because you have asked not. Uh, but there's a connecting scripture to that, in, and that is ask in alignment with God's will and God's design for us. Because he knows what's best for us, we know what we think we well. We think we know what we want, but God knows what we need, and that's that's the greater of of the two—a need and a, a want. Very two different things.
0: I, th- I think the value, though. You see, here's the thing. Here's a fundamental difference between God and insane Lucifer, right? Can we call him Lucifer? Is that what, is that okay still or no?
1: Yeah, of course. It is.
0: Okay, I didn't. I didn't know. All right. So. My man, Lucy, right? Check this out. Is They value two different places, right? The disconnect is God values that next place, right? Heaven. That's where it's all one. Lucifer disagrees. He values here and now. Because here, human beings, we have this superpower that God gave us that the angels don't even have. And that, my friends, is free will. And that is exciting to Lucifer. God looks as a testing bed. Lucifer loves this this place. And understand this: this is something I want to pass to you. Okay, give you a scenario. Say you, my brother. We're good friends, right? Get along real well. Been tight since birth. And I take you in. I say, Christian, guess what I did? Look at this fish tank. I created these little fucking beings in my image. And if they don't fucking devote their life to me, they don't worship me and thank me for fucking opening them up and putting this fucking fish tank, I'm going to fucking end them. What would you say to me? You call yeah, me a sick fuck. Tell me the truth.
1: Yeah, that's tough. No, absolutely, Nick.
0: That is, that's what that's your dude Dr. did. Ruckler. That's what your dude did. Own it. You got nothing. No,
1: oh, I thought you. Were, no, I thought you were. <laughs> thought you,
0: were <laughs> you know what I love, though. Here's what I love. I do love. I love, Divo, uh, I think it's devil Christians, right? People like you. You know why? Because you always have this, this twist, like all around the bend answer for everything, right? It's never direct. It's like, well, if you read this and the links to this, and if you go left on <laughs> Third Street, and it's like, bro. And I, I, I get it. Maybe it can't be that simple. Uh, so I tell you what, well, uh, do you have anything from under the third point then?
1: Yeah. The, the, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's, you can't just read one thing and it, and it gives you a, an answer to the greatest question in life is why are we here? And, and what do we do with this life? Like there's a lot that connects to that. It's not just a one, one sentence said and done type of phrase. And, and it is important to to really dig into the scriptures and understand it and, and view it holistically cuz one chapter it's it's just not going to get you there but going back to what you were saying it is it is tough you know the bible the bible gives us insights as to why god created us but to be completely transparent and, and honest with you that's a tough one like you know It is, it's, it is a very logical question to ask, but why did God create us with what we know of creation that God created us to obey and glorify him and separate or or us deviating from the righteous expectations of God results in permanent death? Well, that's, that's tough to wrestle with. And you, you paint it in a very gruesome way, which is, it's, it's understandable, very understandable, that on the surface we can look and say, well, there are a lot of people that are miserable in life. There are a lot of people that, that battle depression, anxiety, and, and suicidal thoughts, and, and they they hate the life that they live. So there isn't enough for us to really question, well, why? Why did a loving God create us in the first place? And, and as a believer, I've had those thoughts at one point where I ask, well, why didn't God just create us? You know, if we, we think about the, the second coming and we think about the, the second heaven and earth, why didn't he just create that? I I don't know. I don't think the scriptures, I could be wrong. I don't, I don't know if the scriptures do a good job really answering that. I'm sure if I I dug deeper, I can probably find a little bit more insights, but that's one that I don't think I'm qualified to, to answer in the most appropriate manner, because that's, that's still one that is tough to, to answer At you know, where I'm at in in my faith journey, but it is tough. It's a valid point to, to consider Nick.
0: Yeah. And, uh, Which brings me to my next controversial point and the final one that I have is that after reading the Bible and also understanding history and history books and being very pro-female guy, you know, seeing a paradigm shift in females. I mean, I look at the uh, 40s uh, and I think that that was the paradigm shift after the 40 at the beginning of the 40s, uh, women began to change. And they went from being a very submissive character to being very opinionated. Uh, You know, you have Marilyn Monroe and Audrey Hepburns coming out in the late 40s, early 50s with their first movies and being the first girls to break away from the norm and doing what they're told to do. And there's a shift. And I bring that up because going all the way back to when you said Adam fucked it up. You know, any guy who's made a wrong decision for a woman knows who we fall. We, we, we can feel for Adam because I could honestly say, right, my wife Eden said, let's eat an apple. I'm going to crush an apple. I mean, yeah, I'm sorry, okay? There's things that women do for us that we think are worth an apple we don't realize, but damning fucking humanity. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to bring that up because I got that the Bible begins it with Adam and Eve, and Eve is made from the rib. And if you... You know, rated. E- Eve is supposed to, you know, she she uh, serves Adam. Uh, she's right there. And just like every woman was until the 1940s, which they were very Eve-like. They were very much like Eve, where they're submissive, serve the men. I mean, just look at society back from the 1940s, and I say 1940, behind. Women were very, very Eve-like. But after the 1940s, as we went forward, they became very Lilith-like. See, in folklore, there is Adam and Lilith. And those who don't know was Lilith was said in folklore to have come from the same dust as Adam, and she wasn't to be controlled. She had an opinion, and Adam couldn't control her. And so God banished her and made Eve from the rib— So that way she would serve Adam. So I bring that up because I'm looking in history and saying to myself, okay, we went from women being like Eve to women being like Lilith. So what happened in the early 1940s for this paradigm shift? And then I see a man died by the name of Hitler. Now, I know... That the Bible teaches us that the end of times comes the mark of the devil. That the Antichrist comes up, almost bands the world together. Um, The end of times isn't good. I mean, God's going to come back, judge a living and the dead. And those who are still alive wish they were dead. And then I look at Hitler. And I notice some things that he did. Hitler was murdering, by and large, mostly one type of person being... The Jews. Now, did they kill other people? Absolutely, but the Jews, the Jewish people, were the main people he was trying to kill. And what was he doing as he in the world together? He was ushering them into these places and killing them. Hell, there's even there's even inscribed in the walls of some of these concentration camps that said, "If there is a God, he'll have to beg for my forgiveness." And maybe, just maybe, we're looking at it from that point of view of being a very bad thing. But what if I told you maybe, just maybe, Hitler was trying to protect the Jews? You see, he knew the end of times was coming. The mark of the devil, the swastika, it's all there. And Hitler knew that he needed to kill the Jews, not to hurt them, but to protect them. Because he didn't want his people, because when Jesus was alive, he was called the king of the Jews. He never said he was the king of the Jews. He was called the king of the Jews. And he's trying to now kill the Jews. So they won't have to be part of the end of times because he knew it was going to be wretched. And so it was written and it should have been. However, something I alluded to before is that we were given a superpower called free will. Now, I don't think that God ever assumed that we would use free will to create a craziness. See, we're all separated, all the different races, all the different places um, into their different countries. And sure, the Moors went out and they, they traveled and they raped, pillaged, did their thing. But I don't think what was ever on the table was the free will where this dude named Columbus would think he sailed around the world, called a bunch of Native Americans Indians. We never stopped calling that to this day, even though he definitely wasn't in India. The Brits get pissed about a little tax on tea. They jump in ships. They sail on over. The Puritans are done being persecuted. They head on over too. Before you know it, they cultivate a society where all the different countries send people. And suddenly, what could have been another Africa or a third world country is now this superpower. And God wouldn't intervene when Hitler came over because, because he didn't want to interfere because he gave people free will. So now he has a choice. Do I stop the end of Revelations? Do I stop um, it playing out and and stop free will? Or do I let it play out? You know why? Because I gave them free will. Free will versus my word. Let them fight it out. And whatever happens, happens. Because here's the thing. The second coming of Christ, stop waiting for it. My argument is it happened. It was Hitler. Hitler. And he was supposed to bring everybody together with a skewed vision of the cross became the mark of the devil. It was all just a ploy. He comes on over and God, again, just like when he was strapped to them boards and he said, why have you forsaken me? Again, he'd ask the question because God, again, did not take him. He allowed free will to take over. The people had won. They got more time. They headed out. And all of a sudden, 1941, Hitler's dead. The second coming of Christ was thwarted. And here's why I got, Christian. As soon as that happens, the only thing that's left is Lucifer. And the first soul he ever got, according to folklore, was Lilith. And suddenly women were no longer cut from the cloth of Eve, no longer cut from the rib. They were now cut from the same dust as Adam. And that's why women today would never submit to the ways of yesterday. And so I prove my point with a paradigm shift happened with women when Hitler died and the world when Hitler died. I believe the second in coming Christ happened. It didn't make it. And we have got more time. And God, my friends, it ain't Lucifer. The ruler of this world's a woman. Are you scared yet? <laughs> your, your your take.
1: <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna give you one one scripture that I think refutes that completely. And I think all it takes is one. Okay, because here's the thing about the the revelation of the Bible revelations of the Bible, they have to be consistent to the T. And when you look at the test of a prophet, well, how do you test whether or not a, a prophet is of God or not from God? You test it against the scriptures. So all it takes is a a lack of alignment with the Word of God, and we know that that is not true. So here's the scripture Galatians three twenty-eight. That's, and I'll pull it up for you. In fact, Nick, Um, Galatians three twenty-eight is is. You look at what Hitler did, and you said it yourself. But who was Hitler's primary target? I mean, overwhelming. In overwhelming fashion, who is his who is his primary target? The Jewish. It was the Jews, right? Yes, so sir. I'm gonna pull up Galatians 328 here because I want to read it to you real fast. It's a short, short scripture. Very simple though. And I just want you to, to let this resonate with you for just a moment and then think about what you just said. Okay. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Okay. So there, there is no separation between ethnicities, genders, regional parts of the world. We are all one created in the image of God. And so that you have, you have to connect that to the judgment and, and the seven seals and and what goes on in revelation. So Christ, the second coming will not be Christ coming to judge just the Jews but all of mankind all those that are apart from Christ so to me very simple in my mind there's no way that Hitler could be Christ for a number of reasons but one being it completely goes against galatians 3:28 because there is separation in Hitler's eyes very very clear separation in Hitler's eyes which is what motivated him primarily uh, to, to murder millions of Jews. So we know that he was target fixated on one type of people. And his people were protected. That's not the way Christ works. Clearly, Galatians 3.28 is in opposition to that. The other thing is that Hitler, for, for Christ, Christ absolutely is going to come. The Bible tells us about the, you know, Christ the conqueror, Christ uh, Christ the servant, I'm sorry, and Christ the conqueror. So we've already seen Christ come in humility as the suffering servant. We see that in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. Christ will return as a conquering king. And this is where the Jews really got it wrong in the Old Testament. This is where the Jews had a hard time accepting Christ is because they were expecting a militaristic uh, messiah. And they were they were under the impression that there were two, essentially two Christs. One would be that uh, that warrior, that conqueror. So, the Old Testament prophets didn't make it clear that you know the distinction between the two comings, the first coming, the second coming. And you can read that in Isaiah seven fourteen and, and Zechariah fourteen four. And as a result of these prophecies, uh, the many. Jews, they had a hard time understanding the suffering Messiah because they were expecting a conquering Messiah. So they overlooked him because they were looking for something very specific. They were under oppression. And when Christ came the first time, uh, he, one, he didn't reveal himself till later in life because the timing hadn't been right. And he came for a very specific reason and that was to serve and to, to be the atonement for humanity. So is Christ going to come back and be a conqueror? Absolutely. If you, you want to really get scared, read read Revelation 6 and talks about the the seven seals of judgment and so I don't think that we've seen anything like what the Bible describes as the seven seals of judgment like Nick it is going to be crazy and that's where you you know you, you look at the the rapture um, those that are, are believers they will be taken with Christ and a thousand year period essentially and in, in the, the seven the, the judgments, what the bible says in revelations is that those who were not believers those who had not accepted christ as as their personal lord and savior they will have another opportunity and we again we see that consistent right we went through all the covenants of the old testament new covenant is is completely fulfilled but there's another opportunity and this is this is grace nick this is mercy so in those last days, it is going to be very, very, very hard for somebody to put their faith in Christ because of the opposition that's going to be placed against them. Whereas right now, with the world we live in, Nick, it's, I would say it's relatively easy, especially for us here in America. It's very easy to put your faith in Christ. Uh, we have so many comforts, for one, but there's not a whole lot of persecution, and the world is not in utter chaos the way that it will be when, when the seven seals of judgment are poured out. And God talks about pouring out his wrath, uh, like, like if you imagine a, a bowl of wrath poured out on people. So I don't think we've seen that. Sounds like a great guy. Sounds like a well, guy. It, it's – but yeah, it, it's uh, – it's when you understand the righteousness – I mean look at the, the Old Testament where God is so righteous that we can't even look him uh, – sinners like us, we can't even look at him face to face because his righteousness is – it's something we can't even comprehend and it's something that would just utterly destroy us. Now, sounds crazy, but this is what we have a hard time understanding because we're we're stuck with our our finite abilities to reason things that are otherworldly. So anyhow, but yes, is the wrath gonna be poured out? Absolutely it is, but there's still grace and there's still mercy available to us. Just understand it is going to be harder to receive that grace and mercy in the last days. And that's why it's like, you know, you have missionaries, you have, you know, Bible thumpers, you go back to the to late nineties, early two thousands, you know, people were called Jesus freaks because they were adamant about going across the world and spreading the gospel because believers understand that, Hey, listen, make this decision now before it's, it's really tough to make that decision. Um, all those things, I don't think we've seen them play out in history. And I've heard, I've heard Christians you know, for the the entirety of my life, like, Oh, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. We don't know. The Bible tells us that uh, he's going to come like a thief in the night. We won't know. And I remember hearing that growing up all the time that, you know, are these the end times? And every time it seemed to be the end times, because when something goes bad in the world, we start thinking it's the end times. Nick, when you read the book of revelations, like I think that we will know if we're in the end times, but we will still have that opportunity to, accept Christ as our savior, but just understand it's going to be a lot more difficult in those days. And then you have that thousand year rule. And essentially the the, the devil is, is seized and locked up for that thousand year Christ on earth. And then he's re- released again. And then you have the, the creation of the new heaven and the new earth. I'm just giving you wave tops of, of the sequence that revelation paints out, but all that to say, there's, there's no way that Hitler, could have been the fulfillment of the second coming because he, he had a mind of separation. He was target fixated on one people group. The scriptures tell us that Christ will not be like that. It is an objective judgment that will, will judge all of mankind based upon their separation from faith.
0: I'm going to give you all of that. Seven seals, the whole nine, (laughs) as long as This is what I'm saying is it was in the motions. He was going to band the world together in order to move to the next step. The warriors of free will, love them, hate them, get pissed off, kneel for their flag, I don't give a shit, fought at that time, killed that bitch. I shouldn't have said that. Killed him (laughs) for what we're talking about. I apologize. Uh, Killed him, and it didn't happen. And so we got more time. Now, I, I, I just see the paradigm shift. I do. And I understand what you're saying. But at the same time, I think it was all in process. And it's just not. I, I just wouldn't wait for the second coming. I think they both packed their bags. They're out. right? There's a, there's a, there's, there's a new sheriff in town. All right. So, that being said. Do you have any closing arguments, anything you wanted to pass on before we uh, attempt to close this it, one out?
1: Yeah, just one more thing. You had mentioned you're talking about Satan loose for the devil, about being more focused on the here and the now, mm-hmm. which for us, that feels a lot better, Nick. I mean, you know, I'll be completely transparent with you. I think I owe that to you and everybody else. It is hard to not think about, you know, life after death. And you're absolutely right that the devil from the beginning has been whispering subtle lies. It's same tactic, same tactic from the beginning. You're about to say
0: something. Well, yeah, what I'm going to say is this, man, is that because here and now you have the single free will, they don't have that in the next place. Let's not forget that. That is a this in place thing, right? Angels don't got it. That's why they envy it.
1: No, we will still have free will and the angels have free will. Think about this, Nick. The, if the angels didn't have free will, how did Lucifer fall? How did he rebel from heaven?
0: Well, he, he was one of the f- first couple he, creations. I mean, you know.
1: But if he didn't have free will, how did he fall? He did. How did he, he rebel?
0: Hey, man, do you believe in Michael? Do you believe in the two archangels or no? Yeah, yes. Okay, cool. But yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure that they were basically created like the same as God. He realized he fucked up and didn't do that again. That's why we were created the way we were. And but we were even given free that- will.
1: Can you agree that that Lucifer and the angels, the third of the angels that fell with Satan, they had to have had free will in order to make a decision to rebel from God?
0: Then, yeah, yeah, I agree.
1: So we will we will still have we have free will now. We will have free. So will. So then we can make
0: it to heaven and then lose our spot in heaven because I decided to. Uh...
1: No, the the difference with the second heaven and earth, mm. and and our our restored bodies is, you see, the reason why we sin, Nick, is because. We, we, we feel we have unfulfilled needs. Think about it. Why do we sin money, power, sex? We feel like we don't have enough and we feel like we don't circumstances, have
0: circumstances, feelings,
1: goals. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we, when, when, when we are restored to the new heaven, the new earth, we will not have those unfulfilled needs. We won't have, um, it, there's, there's a fullness that occurs, you know, there will be no wanting, there will be no needing. So, we won't have that, that pride and that desire to rebel anymore because every need will be met very differently. And so going back to what I was saying, the the here and the now, yes, that's easier for us to focus on like, ah, man, I just want this and I want that. And, and, and even as a believer myself, like, there's things that I, I really, really want, but I know that it's probably not a, a, a faith-based want that I have. It's more of a flesh-based want. But what I wanted to get, I just wanted to give you one more word picture here for you to think about as we get off this, this episode. The devil absolutely is focused on the here and the now because he has to be. That's all he has. That's all he has is, is until this, the second coming and the, the, the new heaven and the new earth. That is the only time the devil has. So he has to be fixated on the here and the now. And so what does he do? He dangles all of these things in front of us just like he did to Christ, just like he did to Adam and Eve. He hasn't changed. He hasn't changed at it all. It's always, how ah, did God really say that? Or surely you won't die if you eat of this, this fruit. And look how delicious. I mean, that's the one thing you, you feel like you don't have that. And you need that. Go get it. It's the same lie. It's the same whisper. That's why we sin is because we feel like we have these needs that haven't been met. So he has limited time. Christ does not. God does not have limited time. God, God has eternity. And so this is what I encourage you to, to, to focus on. If you're an infant in the womb, and your greater focus, your greater priority is getting something in the womb, you know that in nine months, you have about an 80-year span waiting for you. So what is smarter for you to focus on? The, the, that nine month, you know, is going to end, and that's it, it's a fraction. It's a little tiny blip on the entire radar of your life, or are you going to focus a lot more intently on those things of life after the womb now granted we don't have that ability to think about those things in the womb but that's that's the thought problem when we're in the womb we don't know what exists on the outside and so it's easy for us to think well i need this and this and this and this and this this in the womb this earth is the womb for us nick it's it's nine months compared to the 80 years that we're going to spend after we exit the womb so the devil is all the time that he has. He has to focus on this. He puts that in front of us. He, he plays upon our our human nature, our sinful nature. God looking at the greater picture knows what we need because 80 years compared to eternity. I mean, Nick, you can't even put the two on a
0: scale. You know, I, I think that what it comes down to is. I think he just values it because it's neat. It's new. It's God's creation. He sees it in a different way. And I don't honestly believe he's trying to hurt. Just like, look, y- you want something, I get it. If I was you, I'd want it too, right? Test the water. And then just know that if anybody doesn't know how their written is, I'm going to give you something here. I got to take some here. That is what it is, right? You know, I'm not exactly God. I'm a barter, right? He's like a pawn shop. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? You're going to give a little to get a little. Right. Be careful who you pray to. You might just get what you want. You might not like the exchange. There is no return policy. Uh, it's just, it's <laughs> just, true. What, they didn't make return policies back in his creation. <laughs> That's uh, true. Yeah. <laughs> so, but now I'm just saying be careful. I hope I didn't entice anybody to go a certain way. I'm just saying be very careful, right? Because, uh, oh boy, uh, shit can go wild in your life. Or maybe you just believe it, right? Maybe it's all in your head. Who knows? So anyway, I do appreciate you coming on. Um, it's, it's been a pleasure it's been a long time coming and uh, this oh. wrong button this has been Up, thank you, Nick Andrew Nick thanks
1: again we gotta do a follow up
0: we do we do in uh, a hundred years when you realize your boy's not coming back
1: it's fun because you know Nick you, you do have, you have some I know you like to poke and you like you like Taking that road well let me just see you know the the alternative view which is fun with you because you do have a valid perspective when you play the devil's advocate so that was fun that was fun i wish i would have had had a little bit more um scriptural talking points for you but that was fun it right.